Hey, hey, hey. I'm Nancy Giles. Welcome to The Giles Files, my very own podcast. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You you are too kind. I've never been madder at you (laughs) in my life. Not only for, let's pull back the curtain, okay? There was a time in America where all the panelists were white men. Now, now we've got three black folks in one studio. Let's just pull back the curtain. I'm right around the corner. Well, that was so much fun when we were all, when we all finally met on Joy's show. That was like, I felt like we were all like kids in a playpen. Well, that was a fun experience because there were three people, there were three black people on set and the white guy was in the uh, remote studio, and that's when I said, I want, I want my country yeah, yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Can we make America great again when I can just join you in the studio? Pete Dominic just can't help himself from mixing it up. It doesn't matter whether he's a guest on MSNBC or if he's hosting his stand-up with Pete Dominic show on Sirius XM Radio. So he was telling me, uh, give me the like the lowdown on how he started out as a stand-up comedian. It turns out his road to success had a kind of reverse trajectory. Listen. The guy who owned it, who at the time was managing Zach Galifianakis, took me out to lunch. I want to sign you. You're going to be a big star. I, all of a sudden, I had this immediate success almost. And I was like, oh my gosh, this has all happened. I'm such a big shot. And then one night, I was on a showcase for him and, and other people, and I bombed. There's only 10 people in the audience. The man never spoke to me again. He just, when he would see me, he would make eye contact. And I was a 20-year-old kid, and I was devastated by that. That fast, it went from I'm all into you, then crickets. Yep, exactly. But you didn't quit. <laughs> so... Uh, Michelle Obama's thing is she's got two two causes: military families, which is not controversial, and healthy healthy eating, healthy eating. So Sarah Palin goes, Michelle Obama, the first lady's telling you what to eat. Do you want government telling you what to eat? And now listen, I don't think government should tell us what to eat, but you know what? Have you seen us? <laughs> like normally I would be like, hey, government shouldn't tell you what to do, but have have you been to Indiana? Have you seen a state fair in America? Michelle, tell us what the f*** to eat. Because whatever we're eating is not working. I made really good money doing stand-up at colleges and universities across the country. I probably performed at over 300 colleges. I saw the the country and I got to meet, you know, you name it. Every type of of kid uh, on every type of campus. And so it was a really kind of uh, amazing experience until... Um, you know, and I was still really young, so it wasn't inappropriate for me to be hooking up with college girls. Oh, man, here we go. Then I lost my hair. <laughs> I go to this dorm, like this, this college party after the show, and I realize I went from acceptable to whose dad is that? <laughs> and I never hung out with the students again. I have to ask you, there's a lot of talk now about comedy and political correctness, and a lot of comedians are losing gigs or feeling like they have to be very careful about the kind of work they do at colleges. Yeah, what's I, I, what's I going on? I think that's so overblown. I really, really, I think it's a popular narrative for comedians, and I think because Seinfeld and Rock said something, Chris Rock said something about it, that it made it a big deal. But you know, those guys don't have to perform at colleges, so whatever. But more importantly. I, I haven't sensed that. I, I, I still perform at colleges, and I think uh, there's political correctness and there's not to being an asshole. And so if you don't punch 
downward, then you should be okay. So yeah, I mean, I still do some stereotypical jokes about, you know, things like people who, you know, might speak a different language or from another, you know, country or something like that. But I'll, I'll still do black, white, I'll still do um, gender stuff. But it, it's it's just not being an asshole about it, right? You know, like, oh, if it's about, you know, people of color, oh, I'll probably stick to a positive stereotype or something. Or I'll just play in my own ignorance of culture or something like that. There's a way to talk about different people and ethnicities and gender stuff without being a dick. I agree. And, and so if you are going to be politically incorrect or use certain language or terminology, I still think as long as it's really funny... What do you think about Kathy Griffin and her Trump head effigy, what ha- why she did it, whether you think it's funny? I didn't think it was that funny, but it's a bad joke. And the aftermath, and that she really does seem to be feeling like she's at risk, like her career could be over. I think there are rules when you're making jokes about the President of the United States. I, I think it was stupid because it wasn't funny. But should um, but she have apologized? I don't think you she You can should. argue that she shouldn't have and that she should have gone further and pulled out a Hillary head. I think Bill Burr said this, comedian Bill Burr, like, just keep, make it even worse. <laughs> um, but, I, no, I, I'm all right with the apology if, if you realize what you've done, you know, isn't necessarily, uh, you just didn't have the right instincts or intuitions about it. I'm not one of these never apologize people, but I just thought it was just a dumb thing to do, and it also was a real risk for her career. I mean, her biggest gig was that CNN thing. Yep. She's lost that. And that's I, too bad because she used that to make sure everybody knew who she was and she's great live. So I, I just think it was a, a, a bad idea. But let's also remember, you know, when, when Donald Trump's reaction to that was, my son saw that and it bothered him. And my reaction and many others was, yeah, so did Sasha and Malia. They saw what you did to their father and made him not an American. How do you think his daughters felt when you every day went on TV and said, I don't, I don't think he's American. I've, I'm sending people to look into his birth certificate. I mean, this is the guy who, who was leading um, the leading birther, um, Donald Trump. And he, he said all kinds of horrific things about President Barack Obama. And continues to. Yeah, so, and, and continues to. So I don't have any, any uh, you know, I have, I have no, no concerns for him or his family, frankly. Uh, hold on. I have to pause. <coughs> okay. And we're back as I mop up because I sweat profusely. Uh, Sweating like a priest at a playground. <laughs> I'm not big on hygiene. It's not my strong point. Come I'm, on. Yeah, I don't sweat a lot. I don't have any hair. And you I keep mentioning don't. this not having hair. You're a good-looking I'm dude. Not, it do, it's like you look really foxy. What's I'm, your problem? I appreciate that. Foxy. I appreciate that. Uh, but I, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about it anymore. Okay, we we want to do something that's kind of called like the name game. Like if I throw out a name, give us like a short uh, response as to what what that name Ooh, like you know makes you think. Okay, um, Megan Kelly, race baiter. Jeff Sessions, race baiter. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry, that's not right. Uh, clan member. <laughs> Full-on Grand Wizard, named after the uh, Confederate general. Uh, I gotta say that Beauregard, Beauregard whatever Beauregard. it is, when Beauregard. I, yes, I hear his. The last in the last five years, criminal justice issues have been really important to me and on my program, and I've learned so much. And we've made a lot of progress in this country um, with 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 you know so many on so many issues, but specifically mass incarceration uh, and the drug war that has obviously failed. And so it's it's extremely depressing that Jeff Sessions is in here reversing a lot of these things and thinking the way he does about things as not simple but as 
like marijuana legalization. And, Thank you. And so yeah, and, and and he thinks that you know the crack cocaine disparity. Uh, he has an issue with that, of course. That's a white black thing, and and you know just what he believes uh, religiously, what he believes. Uh, politically, he's. I don't think he's a good man. No, I don't he's think, not. I feel yeah. the same way. He's yeah. and he's like so like out of out of step. So out of he's the fifties. He's also 50s. not a big man. I don't like to pick again. He didn't choose his size, but it should be mentioned that he's a, his feet do not touch the, the the floor when he's on the toilet. I've heard this. I've heard this. <laughs> I have to tell you, when I look at him, he looks like a little like a, some sort of little cracker doll. I don't. I don't even know what else to say. But back to the name game, democracy. Uh, concerned about it, really concerned about it. I've done so many interviews with experts on on you know on the rise of fascism in the in the twenties and thirties, and and uh, we just I hear too many serious people uh, that are really concerned about our democracy. When Chuck Todd starts getting concerned, that's when you know there's a, <laughs> uh, Trump. And I don't expect an easy answer, but go for it. Uh, sad. Sad. Why? I'm just very sad that we're here. I never believed that he would be elected simply because I thought right-leaning people were too decent. They, you know, had a moral code that often was founded in their own religion that, you know, was as far as, you know, don't swear and respect your elders and and, and help people who are, you know, that need help and, and be a decent person. And I thought that's I know there was a lot of bad people, deplorables, if you will. I've met them, I've talked to them, I see them. Uh, but I didn't think there was enough. I didn't think there were enough Americans um, that could be convinced of the fear he was slinging. And so I'm sad that, that we elected him because it really says a lot about our, our country, our society, and to some extent our, you know, our future. And it, I don't like the idea that you know people in other countries look at us as Americans as someone who you know, so many people, at least, you know, what, 30 or 40 percent of Americans that voted for him, you know, believe in the man. And, and, and t- many of them t- still still do. So I'm sad. I'm sad that his cabinet went around and praised him. There's Can nothing- you believe that scene? On behalf of the entire senior staff around you, Mr. President, we thank you for the opportunity and the blessing that you've given us to serve your agenda. Mr. President, thank you for the honor to serve the country. It's a great privilege you've given me. Optimism. From small businesses. This month is uh, National Homeowners Month. I want to congratulate you on the men and women you place around this table. The, the whole We're not blessed to have him. He's not a good person by any any metric. Frankly, he's a lonely man who has no friends because no one would actually be friends with him. They just use him like we do with people uh, to get to where they want to be. But it's different when it's. Um, you know, the government, the federal government, the, the most powerful man in the world than it is when it's a boutique real estate, you know, absolutely, or, a, or The Apprentice. Bill Cosby is somebody, he definitely influenced me when I was growing up. Uh, I'll throw his name at you in our name game. What, what, what do you think when you hear Bill Cosby? Um, I mean, you know, I'm very sad that that happened. You can still separate the art from the artist. He's still one of the greatest comedians of all time. And it just sucked because he did as much for the black family I think the image of the black family, as anybody had done with that show, most of us, me included, didn't know any black people, and so all we heard was on the media or from our family members and you know the you know other bigots, frankly. And so he depicted a black family as quote normal, the way that black families are, but we didn't know it. What I you mean, say is very important and very true about how it changed a lot of people's image and vision of what a black well, family black looks like. Black people didn't need that show. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah, but but white people did. Yeah.
One, two, three, one, two, three. Is this on? Is this on? President Trump is making all kinds of new proclamations. Loyalty Day. A swearing. Raise your right hand. National Financial Capability Month. And nobody knows more about debt than I do. National Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. National Donate Life Month. I am going to take care of everybody. But wait, there's more. Trump proclaimed the month of June as, among other things, National Ocean Month, National Home Ownership Month, and African American Music Appreciation Month. But here's one thing that June was not. Pride Month. Whoa. But the Commander-in-Chief supports the LGBT community in what practical ways? Last year, during his campaign, he pledged that transgender reality star Caitlyn Jenner could use the bathroom of her choice at any of the Trump properties. He wanted me to come play golf with him. That's right. Donald Trump, making America great again. You do you, boo. (laughs) I'm Glenda Hill from Alexander, Arkansas. Cool. And your name? Kristen Hill. I'm from Arkansas as well, but I live here in New York. My best friend is from Little Rock, and she's liberal, like me. But uh, talk to me about what it's like to live in an environment where maybe people all don't agree with each other. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. If you're a liberal in the state of Arkansas now... Uh, you're kind of an outcast. And that's a bad word to have to say, but I feel that way. Most all of my family are Republicans, even though they were born and raised in Arkansas. And Arkansas, up until the last 12 to 15 years, it has been a Democratic state. We always had Democrat governors and... Senator David Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, And his son. All of it. And they were... I thought they were so good for Arkansas. Now, I can't see that Arkansas is making any progress with the leaders that we have sent from there to the uh, capital. Why do you think your neighbors in Arkansas supported Trump, and why do you think they made the change to the Republican Party when you feel like things haven't gotten better? Well, I think it's because a lot of elderly people have moved to Arkansas from the north and from other places because you can retire there so much better off than you could in the cities. You can sell your house in, say, Chicago or something for a million dollars and buy the same house in Arkansas for a quarter million. Can I have a newspaper, please? I might want to check the real estate listings. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Have people started to show up in your town at town hall meetings? Or is anybody challenging your local representatives? What's that been like? Yes. uh, In northwest Arkansas, is where Senator Cotton had a, a town hall meeting in person. And, and he, was, he met with a lot of resistance from Arkansas uh, people and uh, voters. And I'm so glad that they came out. I was so surprised, but I thought, this is great. Well, none of the others have had uh, town hall meetings. They have, do them by video. Are you serious? That's right. And even Tom Cotton said he's not doing another town hall meeting. He will video. You know, that's a coward, and a coward should not be representing the people of America. Well, ma'am, what you just described is what's called representation. Exactly. I kind of feel like I'm without a, a leader. 
and uh, I just uh, don't know what to do sometimes. And I'm scared. For the people who are supporting Trump in Arkansas, like, what did they say and what are they saying now? Well, they're saying Trump is going to make uh, America great again. And they think it wasn't great because they're mostly uh, their issues with the government is abortion and guns and things that are I don't think should be uh, politicized. And I'm not just asking because it's a southern state. Do you think any of the people who support Trump that might not have supported President Obama, that it was racially motivated? I definitely do. They are racist. They will tell you all day long they are not, but they are. I just believe that with all my heart, or I wouldn't say it so profoundly like I said it. They uh, vote on issues that are more like moral issues. They're all evangelicals. Yes, and uh, that's, and I'm a Christian, but Christians seem to be in such a, they seem to be so angry. I've noticed on Facebook, when I put something uh, derogatory against Trump, my friends don't like or respond in any way. And I say, hey, did you hear me? (laughs) Crickets. Uh (laughs) Tell me what it was like for you from Arkansas coming here to New York, politically, socially? Politically, I've always kind of followed my parents. Um, I was an intern at the Clinton Foundation, so I was always very involved in that side of politics. So it felt really seamless to me. The conservative nature of Arkansas and my family and some of my friends is, is kind of a new thing. Um, I know I left and I've had the opportunities. I went to college and grad school and a lot of my friends and family maybe didn't get to do that and I guess I kind of understand that they feel stuck and they don't have the job opportunities in Arkansas Um, so they've just really become bitter and I think that their anger is maybe I don't know misplaced and somehow believe that Trump will help them Thank you both so much. Um, you've inspired me, and uh, I'm going to put this on pause and take a nice picture with you. Okay, hold on. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm secretly taping this thing because the sounds of an auction are so amazing. They're like their own kind of rap. By the way, three cars that I already saw, an orange car, a yellow car with a spoiler, and some other car have all sold for over $100,000. Wild, right? Okay, stand by. Yo, yo, yo. Nancy Giles here with the Giles Files. Here's with, uh, what's her name? She's my executive producer. Coffee. (laughs) Pete Dominic just can't help him. (laughs) You do really? I didn't know that. No, I don't. (laughs) 
All right, that is funny. Ad-libbing. I know she's good. What does ad lib mean anyway? Did you ever know? I never knew. Um, it stands for something. My kids don't have a lot of black friends. There's 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 a lot of diversity in their school, but not in the neighborhood. No, and they don't. You know whether they're Indian or Korean, um, whatever. They just, I don't know. We just don't mix. And, and that's, but that's always been the case. We get in these cliques and they're based on gender, interests, and, and too often the color of your skin, your culture, your religion. And I don't, you can't force that. No. Right. You can't, I can't say, go be friends, go make some black friends. That's right. that bad. Will get, that will, I think, backfire. No. Right. Um, plus, I don't want them to date black boys. So. <laughs> I, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it. I once said the N-word, N-word joking around to my brother. And I'll never forget it. What did I he will say? Never forget it. He said nothing. He punched me in the ribs. Really? Immediately. Immediately. And I go, what the fuck? And it hurt so bad what he did. And it was interesting because I, you know, listening to Ice Cube talk to Bill Marley and I and ask about that, that word is a dagger. And my this brother, is how I've my always gave felt me physical pain. He gave me physical pain associated with the usage of the word. But here's the problem, I think, and this may be part of why Bill Maher and why some white people feel like they can't say it. It's the only ethnic slur that made its way into songs yeah. and rap and, and in, in culturally, people dance to it in comedy. And so for white kids, it's the same as hearing like dude or, or you know, ain't. It's, it's well, got the same kind of value. I once went on a comedy. They don't get it and I, they don't know why they can't use it if it's just like slang, even though it's a dagger. And you make politics and how crazy the world is fun. I love your show. I love being on it. And earlier in the conversation, you were talking about, um, you know, being an, a voice for women of color and, you know, trying to expand opportunities not a, not a for, for... All I'm saying is I'm a woman of color and, you know, hey, uh, help a sister out. We aren't looking for... There aren't any openings that... That's what's officially known in this business as crickets. We had to get some cricket sounds in here. Well, that's our show. Thanks to our guests, Sirius XM radio host Pete Dominic, and our Southern homegirls, Glenda and Kristen Hill from Alexander, Arkansas. The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt, produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt, recorded at our studios in Weehawken, New Jersey, at Sirius XM Studios in New York City, and at the Barrett-Jackson Auction at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Special thanks to Showbridge Studios in New York City, to our go-to guy and main man, Thornton Hatcher, and to our future big-name sponsors. We'll be back soon with another edition of The Giles Files. Okay? Bye. Oops. <laughs>